0: I like what Pastor was talking about uh, being renewed in the Lord. The word renewed in the original is the word resuscitation. So uh, when the Lord comes to resuscitate us, in fact, Song of Solomon talks about kiss me with the kisses of your mouth. That's pretty intimate, isn't it? You know what, that just doesn't mean a kiss for the sake of the kiss, but it means I want to come and, and do mouth to mouth. Sounds a little strange. But when God kisses you and there's, there's the resuscitation, you just feel like that the Spirit of the Lord has done something inside of you we could call it an encounter, not just an attending and observing what God's doing. So the kingdom of God uh, doesn't come by observation. The kingdom of God is already within us. And so somehow or another to take what is already deposited within us and help it and to release it to where it's more of a, an application and not just a, an ethereal way, something we believe in. Because faith, faith without works obviously has no life or it's dead of that. In fact, the Bible says even the demons believe and tremble. So if I only believe in God or I just believe that something's possible, I've just come up to a demonic level. But when you start operating in faith, that means I'm moving forward in the very thing that I believe so strongly about. And you're here this morning because obviously that you believe in, in something more than just, you know, I, whatever happens, case Sarah. You really believe that God's doing something. And so my, my prayer this morning was that, that every one of us, including myself and my wife, that we're, we would experience a breakthrough. Many years ago, when I was just starting on the ministry in the early 80s, uh, I had a friend of mine. His name was John Garlington, he had his brother Joe Garlington. Some of you might have heard of his name. He, por- he pastored a large church in Portland. We were sitting at our table, a dinner table, and he said, Carrie, do you know what breakthrough is? And I was a young pastor, and I thought I would really impress him by saying, Yeah, that's that verse in Micah. And he looked at me and he said, No. And he said, Here's what breakthrough looks like. And a friend of his was pastoring another church across town in Portland, and he called him up one day and he said, John, uh, you've been stealing my sheep. And John said, I don't know how I could do that because I don't own any sheep. I don't have any sheep. And he said, well, there's people of my church been coming over to your place, and, and I'm just bothered by that. And he was a friend of his. And he said, well, I'm sorry that you feel that way, but he said immediately the Lord allowed him to see a picturesque thing, he said, but I can help you with your problem. He said, please do. He said, I saw a hole in your fence. And the sheep are crawling through this hole, getting on, over on my side of the pasture. And they're eating the green grass and they're getting too fat to get back through the hole. <laughs> he said, my friend, that's breakthrough. When you come to the point that you can outgrow the thing that you came through and never go back that way again, then you know that you've had a breakthrough. And so the Lord is calling us to have a breakthrough, not just to cycle and circle and have uh, cyclical times in our life to, where, well, here we go again, or the devil's hitting me again, or the devil's attacking me. Because whatever we set our affection on, we become like whatever we behold. And so sometimes we attribute so much things to the devil, although that he's very real and he does things like that. But all at the same time, I want to realize that I want to break through and outgrow sometimes offenses. I just need to outgrow being offended. My spirit's not offended, but my soul is. That part of my mind, will, and intellect, that part that I feel about me, can sometimes be offended. And so I want my spirit to become, outgrow, stronger where it's taken over the dominance of just my soul. In the beginning, we can see in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, before they had fallen and they had, they had sinned against God. The Bible, the scholars believe that, that Adam and Eve lived in a place that was called, you know, not only Eden, which means a place of His presence and the place of His pleasure, but also they lived in the glory of God. Glory not meaning chill bumps because we've had a good service or something like that, but the glory of God was the very essence of God Himself, the light that covered their naked bodies. And so when Adam and Eve would see one another, they would look through the filter of the glory of God. Everything they did or saw, they looked through glory. I mean, that sounds like paradise, wouldn't it? When Adam looked at Eve and he would say, Oh, baby, there's not another creature in the garden like you. I mean, so he would look at his wife and he was just thrilled because he was seeing her through the eyes of God. And she would look at Adam and say, Yeah, that's my man. But the day when they they took, they decided they wanted to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil because the devil's in the garden. I saw a billboard at a church one day where I was at uh, driving by actually and saw it and it says, a safe place to worship. And I thought, that's not true because even the devil was in the garden. So there's, how do we do this? Is that it's not about trying to find a safe place. It's about being the place to where the glory of God can always be happening through us. And when the glory departed, it's amazing that when this this light of the very essence of God departed, Adam and Eve saw one another for the first time naked without the glory of God. And immediately without the glory of God, Adam said to God, this woman you gave me, God, she did it. It's her fault. And and Eve said, no, it was the devil who made me do it. Because when the glory departs, we start seeing things outside of the realms of the way God wants us to see something, and we start seeing it through our rationale or our reasoning or our contemplative thing. Have you ever played some old recordings of something that someone done wrong song? where you just kind of replayed them, you know, all night long. And the more you thought about it, the more upset you became. And the more upset you became, the more it became like a reality to you when it may not have been truth at all. And so what I want to share this morning dealing with with the issue of blessing, when I use the term blessing, many times we go to the thought of uh, materialism. I'm blessed because... You know, I have uh, two cars and 2.4 kids or whatever that national average is, you know. And uh, I've never got the four, the .4 kid, never got IRS to recognize that that was a, you know, a deduction. And so because living in that environment that we, we sometimes uh, think, well, I'm blessed and I, and I really am and we, we are. But the full understanding of what the word blessing in Scripture means has nothing to do with just the tangibility. I mean, that's a word that we do. And we use the word really flippantly sometimes. When someone sneezes, we say, God bless you. even We don't even mean it. It doesn't. I don't know what that means. May God give, may you have more sneezes. I mean more, more of abundance of sneezes. I don't know what that means. But really what comes from the word that is the, in the Old Testament is baraka, baraka, which means to uh, speak well of or speak largely of. And in the New Testament, it is the word eulogia. We get the word eulogy from. If you've ever been around a funeral, they'll speak good of the person there, whether they were or not. You know, I mean, they just speak well of and speak largely of. That's a eulogy, speaking that way that, that extends how you feel about them. So in the terms in Scripture, when it talks about these, it really does it not talking about speaking or declaring the way things are. In fact, we have a Scripture that says, count those things that are not as though they are. It's a prophetic prophetic statement. So there's sometimes that God wants us to look beyond just the natural and see things through the eyes of the glory and see how God sees it. And when we see it how He sees it, we can believe for it the way that He believes for it instead of just considering the way things are. I was sharing this one time to a family who had a son on drugs and and, uh, they kept telling me, so you're going to be the death of me yet. We're spending all of our money getting you out of jail and and drugs, and he was was about 22 years old, still living at home. And they said, one of these days, we're just going to get a call and find out you're dead in the morgue. And they went on about it, and they said, what do I do about it? Do we put him in, you know, rehab, or what are we going to do about it? And I said, well, first of all, you're prophesying his doom. Do you realize that fear is a prophetic thing? Fear operates in the realm of darkness the same way that faith operates in that. Job said, that which I feared came on me how would it be if we could eliminate the fear factor out of our life the fear of failure the fear of abandonment the fear of sickness the fear of poverty the fear of a loss of anything and all we had was there saying God I'm just moving in the right direction with you so when understanding blessing it's not about just uh uh you know gets helping something gets better with someone it's really prophetically a proceeding word that moves beyond where they are So with this family, I told them, I said, you need to bless your son. They didn't even know how to do that. I wrote out even a few things for them to do. They started blessing their son according to the Bible. The Bible is full of of blessing statements. They started saying over them, you're a son of promise because you're a gift from God and God's given you to me. And they started speaking over him. He'd stumble in on Saturday night and they'd say, you're a gift of God to us. And they'd stumble on off to bed. And they said the first time or two, we kind of felt like we were lying. But I said, you're trying to see it beyond the natural senses. There's five senses of the natural, man, but there's also the corresponding senses of the spiritual. Oh, taste and see. Take heed how you hear. David said, even my heart and my flesh feel. So all of these senses are in the spiritual realm as well. So they did that, and after about two weeks, something phenomenal happened. He came in early, and they said, they couldn't hardly believe it. It's amazing. I've been blessing you, but I can't believe when it really happened. And they said, why are you home early? And he said, well, I was at the bar. We started smoking dope, you know, which our usual routine, drinking around. And he said, before I could even, you know, take a hit off the, 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 the weed, I all of a sudden I had a thought to me and saying, are you really having fun? What are you going to do with your life? This voice just kept coming to him. And he said, you have been deceiving and lying to yourself thinking that this is the way life is. He said, I just got up off the bar stool and I told my friends, I said, that's it for me, I'm going home. They came on, they told it to their dad, told it to his parents, he said, what time is church tomorrow? He went to church and gave his heart to the Lord, and he's been changed as far as the last I've heard ever since that point. The difference is, the fact is, you could always keep reporting the way things are, or you can change the environment by declaring on earth as it is in heaven. Because the understanding is that it's easy for us to look around at people and look around at our circumstances, and all we're doing is repeating the demise that's there. Aren't you glad that when God looked at the earth and said, Man, we got a mess here. I don't know if anything come out of this at all. But what did he say? He looked at the earth. It had no form. It was chaos, darkness on the face of the deep. And he said, let there be, let us make, and he went on and on because he started declaring the opposite spirit of the way it is. A lot of times in our prayer life, and I've been in prayer meetings like this, that we spend time reporting to God how bad it is here on planet earth. I've thought about being a reporter and I talk into God and said, it's Kerry here on planet earth, God, they're all going to hell in a handbasket here pretty bad down here. People lying and cheating and stealing and divorcing and adultery. It's just, I don't know what to do about it. I don't know how to even talk. Back to you. But he's actually asked us to have solutions, didn't he? The Bible's full of solutions that were to pray solutions, not report the problems. And I know God loves it when we just kind of vent to him and say, God, I'm having a bad day, and I think it really stinks how things are working out and so on like that. But you come back to that point, he's saying, I've given you what you need to deal with what you have and that's when Paul said there was a man who probably was Paul that's caught up into the heavens he said I saw things I can't even talk about It's not because he didn't have words I think he just really was overwhelmed maybe with it and he prays three times that God would take this messenger of Satan from him and three times the Lord answers back to him my grace is sufficient Now I was thinking if I said that in counseling they'd say to me I didn't need to come here and hear that what he was saying Paul I've already given you the grace cariza, which means the gift of God the empowerment grace is actually the influence of God upon the heart how much does God really influence our lives is how much grace we walk in and so he says my grace is already there and it's completed in you for you to be able to deal with this situation yourself as long as I'm looking to someone else to solve the problem I'm, I'm fine with counseling and any of that but sometimes God wants us to uh, look to Him as the author and the finisher of our faith. And so blessing is about having the, this resource inside of us instead of going and reporting the problems, but realizing that He has already given me something of a very powerful nature to deal with that. When he, the Bible says when He created man, He said, Let us, plural, plurality, meaning the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit was there. Let us make man in our image. And and God breathed into this this creation that came out of the dust and, and he breathed into him. The original says, and man became a speaking spirit. The word being there was translated that. So really God has created us a being, a spiritual being that has the ability to speak. And he says the power of life and death is in the tongue. What we do with that creates the fruit of what's going to happen out of that. And I have files and files of of the things that happened out of that. But turn with me this morning to 1 Peter, the third chapter. I've seen more lives change with what I'm going to share with you in just a short amount of time than anything I've ever seen happen in my entire life. I was just kind of swept into it by the Lord. I was not expecting to have this understanding at all. And uh, the Lord began to speak to me. And some of you have already seen the clip. I just want to refer to that. Driving down I-30, traffic backed up all the way around, a young man almost hit me and clipped car and popped out of my mouth, and and Diane was with me. And I said, idiot. That was a word that I, I grew up with, knowing that if I ever said that, my mother would wash my mouth out. And Diane looked at me, and she said, pardon me? And I said, well, he is. And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, why did you just call me an idiot? And I'm having this conversation with God in this heavy traffic, and I said, well, I didn't call you idiot and he said well my word says how can you bless God whom you cannot see and yet you curse man whom you can see man that'll set you back he said now bless him because he was created in my image or my imagination or forethought he was created in my image therefore as you've done it to the least of these you've done it to me I mean he had me sandwiched in and he said now bless him the way now just bless him and I said Okay, bless you. And he said, no, bless him the way that you want want me to bless you. If you've sown it, you'll reap it. I thought, oh, well, that takes on a whole other perspective then. How do I want to be blessed? So I started declaring over him that you are a son of promise. You're a gift of God to your family. May you come into the full potentiality that God's called you. May you walk in the fullness of of God's favor, and then you arrive safely home. I literally felt the endorphins or whatever those things, the chemical in your brain that starts flooding you that runners talk about, the second wind or runner's high. I felt the pleasure of God so much, not just spiritually, but physically, I could feel feel it, spirit, soul, and body. And I thought, so this is what this means, to really feel like I've pleased the heart of God. It became very addictive. We started blessing everything, you know. We had a car wouldn't start. Diane starts gets out there and lays her hands on the hood. And I'm trying to explain to her. I said, honey, it's a computer thing. And I know you don't understand. And, you know, it's just not going to work this way. And she says, no, God said he gave us this car and we blessed this car. Okay. Have at it. She laid hands on the car and prayed over that car. She said, now start it. And I went, oh, okay. You know, I just to prove that she knows nothing about mechanical things. I get in there and start the thing, and it kicked off, and it ran till the day we got rid of it. So I don't understand it. I just know it works. All right, 1 Peter 3. Some of you ladies have this plastered on your refrigerator. Right here. Let's pick it up in, in um, verse 7. You husbands, likewise, live with your wives in an understanding way. Have you got that in your refrigerator? As with a weaker vessel, and that doesn't mean that she's just, you know, weaker because she can't bench press as much as you, although I've seen some ladies that could. Honoring her with a weaker vessel, she's in a position there. Since she is a woman, or woman, which is actually the original, means she was a wombed man. She carried that same co- co-partnership. And grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers be not hindered. In the context... He's talking about that your prayers are affected to how you have relationship with your wife here. To sum it all up, let us be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Here's the kicker, verse nine: Do not return evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing, barak, speaking well of, large of, giving a blessing instead or in replace of, for you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. I was called to be a blesser long before I was ever called to preach. Every one of us in this room are called to be a blessing, to be one who blesses. I grew up in an environment in Amarillo, Texas to where that we we made an art form of cutting one another down. My brother would see me, he says, hello ugly. And I'd say, hello, hello uglier than I. And we'd do this art form back and once and it was just our culture. Brought Diane home to meet the family. She wasn't raised in that culture. She comes in and she said, what are y'all doing? Why y'all hate each other like this? Well, we don't hate each other. It's the way we do it. And the Lord really started speaking to and saying, you don't realize that when you say things, and even if you say that I'm joking or I say it in jest, those words stick in their heart and replayed later on. And if, if, if if a... A few words, a thousand words can create a thousand pictures. Just think what one picture can do. It can create a thousand words. That one picture of a person's face upon you and being angry and and the tone and anger can create a whole lot of pictures in us. We begin to realize that God has placed us here, not for that purpose, but we're there to instead of giving a blessing. For this purpose I was really called. So when you look at this, he's talking about in context of husbands and wives. He's saying, be a blessing. The word blessing means to declare something the way that God sees it. Here's the word cursing is the antithesis of this, that cursing means to place something in a lower position than what God said. So if I call someone a stupid or idiot, what I'm saying is, if God didn't say that, then I'm cursing, and I'm placing them in a lower position than what God declared it to be. When you look at the whole Genesis account of creation, And when God was creating things, and everything, he said, it is good. It is good. The only thing that he said wasn't good was for man to be alone. And I believe that, and I'm happy with that. It's not good for man to be alone, but everything else, he said it was good. Everything he created was good. So that meant that I needed to understand that God wasn't about cursing a few things and cursing and blessing other things. I needed to understand where Jesus talks about the fact is, bless your enemies. That's hard to do. I don't understand that. It doesn't mean that I have to agree with them. When you give them a cup of cold water in the name of the Lord, then something happens dynamically that. That's why the United States is known for sending food, ate even to our enemies. I think we're blessed, blessed for that. Because when we do that, what we're saying is, I, I acknowledge that you were created by God and for this very reason. So it means blessing is seeing the way God sees a person or a thing And cursing means to see it in another realm of that. Then we need to realize that God's something how another. He loves about this. He likes to see this thing blessing. The Bible talks about in Revelation uh, the accuser of the brethren, which we know is the devil. The original word there is the word cursor. He says Satan is the cursor of the brethren. So if that means I'm cursing or placing somewhere some uh, one in a lower position than what God said about them, I'm actually have now come into homo or saying the same thing, into an agreement with the devil. It's a wonder. I was meeting with a lady recently, and she says, I fight the devil all the time. That means I'm going to really do some good things, isn't it? Well, not necessarily. It just means that you're cohabitating with him. It means you're in good speaking terms with him. Because she continually was cursing everything and everybody. If you were to take some, a, a, a stray dog shows up at your back door, and you throw some scraps out to him, don't be surprised when the dog shows up again tomorrow. And cursing is that it is attractive to the dark realm that where it just starts attracting that kind of spiritual thing. When we start using blessing as a lifestyle and a practitioner of that, then something dynamically happens because it becomes attractive to the spirit of God. it becomes attractive of those who who are hungry for God. We've seen tremendous changes with that. I was in Houston, Texas doing a conference and And the pastor there asked me to to speak to this man. He came up to me and he said, my wife is at the the, uh, courthouse right now filing for divorce. He said, I've been in Iraq. I've been a a civil contractor there for a number of years. I make good money there. I go over there. She's happy to spend my money. And I stay over there. But I come home and she wants a divorce. And I think she is, uh, and he had some expletives for her name. And I don't know if she's not worth having. I said, why are you upset about her divorcing you then? Nobody's going to divorce me. And he went on about, talked to about all of these attributes that she didn't have. And I said, sir, you have the wife that you curse or you have the wife that you bless. You have created your wife in the, your image. And he looked at me and he said, I've studied Zen, Zhu, Jitsu. I know he named some stuff out there. I can't even say. And I can pick you up with my mind and slam you against the wall. And I said, well, that confirms it that you're just full of the devil. And I, and I told the pastor, I said, I've got to get on the road, and I've got to go, and pitched him a couple of CDs, and, you know, I said, I'm out of here. I didn't, you know, I thought, well, this guy has just, you know, hurt and wounded this woman so much. And I was back in, in Houston for a pastor's meeting uh, probably about three or four weeks later after that, and this guy comes up to me and says, you remember me? And I thought, yeah, you're that, <laughs> that Gen guy, whatever it is. And uh, I could tell his countenance looked different. And he said, I want you to meet someone. He motioned this woman to come over to him. And I thought, boy, he works fast. He's already got him another one. <laughs> and uh, he said, I want you to meet my wife. We've been married 32 years. Now I was perplexed. He said, I had listened to the CDs on the way home, and she was at the courthouse filing for the divorce. And the way our house opens up, when you open the front door, there's a hallway that goes kind of, back into the kitchen area. He said, I was in the kitchen. She opened the door and I said these words to her based upon what I heard. And I said, you are a gift from God. You're the bride of Christ. You're made in the image of my Father and I receive you as my helpmate. I speak over you the fullness of what God wants you to be. And she said, it was the words became like slow motion. They were tangible and they were rolling in slow motion down the hall like I'd lived a life watching these things, and all of a sudden, it smote her in the chest. And she said, I felt like liquid love had hit me from the top to the bottom. So I can honestly say out of 32 years, I have not had an ounce of love for this man at all. But when that happened, I saw him differently than I've ever seen him before. We hugged and embraced. He repented to me. I repented to him. And he says, for the last three weeks, we've been on a honeymoon. And he says, I didn't realize the how powerful our words are and how we speak over one another. I thought I was trying to get her to fall in line by declaring what she wasn't instead of declaring what she could be. I was prophesying what you're not instead of declaring what you are to be. His whole life was changed at that moment. So when we understand blessing is seeing things through the eyes of God, it's totally different from, from what we've ever thought would be. Now look with me and. And um, well, let, me pick, let me finish this verse, if you would, in verse 9. he says, "Be giving a blessing, blessing instead, for you were called. The word called is kaleo, which means the same, that word means that you now have that name. Like a parent would, uh, would sit down and decide, what are we going to name our child? He's going to have this name for life. It has to speak of something. It speaks of his nature or character. Like Genesis 49, when, when you have Jacob laying hands on his son, and Joseph, you know, said, you're a fruitful bow," and so on. So he used the word here, kaleo, which means you are called or the one to bless. All of us have carry this name inside of us, a blesser or one who, who is to bless. Now he goes on to say, for we were called to bless and for this very purpose or proposition that you might inherit or you would receive the thing that you have sown. The very blessing comes back to that. I've seen people that were in financial straits and they just began to, instead of complaining, because complaining basically is saying, God, you haven't done a very good job at taking care of me. Or complaining becomes a lifestyle. It becomes a thing that you just do naturally. It's just, well, that's the way we are. But if you grew up in a home to where your father was that way, your mother was that way, that when you were born again, Paul says that we can, that if any man be in Christ, the anointed one, he is a new creation or species, Old things, ways, pass away and behold, all things become new. I want to suggest to you that being a born-again believer, you carry inside of you a spiritual DNA that now you have the inheritance of your Father in heaven and His nature and His ways and not just like the of the natural or the earthly Father. doesn't mean they're, got, they're wrong, their fathers are wrong. It just means that there is a way that God wants us to see from His perspective that way. And understanding truth and blessing in a small way... Uh, blessing and cursing, we need to understand there's a difference what the Bible says between truth and fact. Truth is, as uh, Jesus said, when, when the spirit of truth comes, the Holy Spirit, he's going to guide you into all truth. The word aletheia there is the manifested reality that comes through God's perspective, how God sees that that's truth. And facts may look at you in the natural and you think, well, these are facts. For instance, if you went to the doctor and he said, you have six minutes to live. That's a fact based upon science, maybe, but truth says I have come that you might have life. I have given myself that by my stripes you are healed. Healing is the children's bread. That is truth, which we, if we operate in fact, then our life becomes uh, starts happening circumstantially out of light, out of uh, fact, and not out of truth. There's sometimes to where that truth has to defy the facts, and we've seen that happen many times through healing. And how we even look at the situation financially sometimes. This is what's staring me in the face. But the truth is, Jehovah Jireh, from Texas anyway. Yahre I think, is the original. Jehovah Jireh means the fact is my God will surprise, will surprise, will supply. He's surprised with him to supply. My God will supply, which means if I just stare at the problem and at the fact, I never operate in the truth. And you shall know the truth... Not the fact, and the truth shall make you free. Not set because make is a creative word. You shall know the truth, aletheia, the manifested reality through God's eyes. And that perspective is what causes freedom. The truth that we hear doesn't, doesn't change us. It's the truth that we apply. It's not what we hear. It's not the hearers that are justified, but it's the doers. It's the truth that comes out of application. So when he's talking about the truth of the Son of God, he's saying, how does God view this? How does he see that? And so as a husband blesses his wife, I mean, you may be something that you're believing God to change. Instead of telling her what she doesn't have, begin to declare over what God has given her. It's a, it's a prophetic statement. You know, you're wonderful. Well, I feel like I'm lying. Well, just keep doing it till you get there. It's not about fake it till you make it. It's about truth, operating in truth. Fact is that which is seen by the natural truth operates in a spiritual dimension. Those that are led by the, by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So we want to be led by the Holy Spirit in that regard. Now, in Galatians, the third chapter. Pick it up in chapter, chapter 3. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, talking about under the Mosaic nature, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Speaking of Jesus, the Lamb of God took on the sin of his own life. In order that, in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Gentiles were those who hadn't, but had no covenant with God in the old, He's calling for that which God declared over Abraham was before the law into the Gentile nature. Now, here's the interesting thing with this, that, where's Ralph? There he is. If I curse Ralph, and I'm just saying over him, you know, Ralph, I don't know, don't know why you do that, and I don't think that's right, and you shouldn't be this, and you could be better, and blah, 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 and I just start cursing over him, and he's a believer, then what happens is, According to this, because Jesus redeemed him from the curse, then if I'm cursing him, then what happens is Jesus gets between me and him because Jesus has to, de- has to uh, defend him. Based upon who Jesus is, I've come to defend and set people free from the curse. And if I'm cursing him, placing in him a lower thing, declaring over him something lower than what God said over him, then what happens is I'm in opposition to the Lord. And it's like pushing the pause button on a movie. And there's some people that's pushed the pause button for 20 years. They've been on pause. Wondering, God, how come I haven't seen any favor? What's going on in my life? How come I've not seen a breakthrough in this? I'm tithing and doing everything possible. Because of his own nature, I've come to set people free from the curse. And you're doing something that I gave my life to break through. If we realized how powerful that is when we're cursing something that what we're saying is, I want to put you in a lower position, what God says, but I'm trying to put you lower than me, because it empowers me. And then I'm operating in another realm. And someone can make a case and say, you know what, it's a fact that Ralph's that way. But instead of saying, am I going to operate in truth, or I'm going to operate in fact? Because I need the truth of the Son of God to bring freedom into my life, to do beyond what I can do on my own self. I need God to have supernatural favor in my life. I can't do that if I'm operating in this cursing realm with that. Now, if you go into, if you looked at Proverbs, the 26 chapters, it says it very, in verse 2 there, and he explains it like this, a curse can't come without a cause. And he uses an example like this bird flitting from one nest to another nest. In other words, this, be, this bird has to have a nest to go to. And he says, a curse without a cause or a place to land can't stick. So if someone is, is cursing you and you're not cursing someone else, that means that curse can't land on you. But if I'm cursing and I'm criticizing everything and I don't like this and I don't like that and those people should do that and those shooting people do that and on and on and on. and I mean, we have to be careful about it, even with government leaders. It's one thing to have opinion. It's another one declaring over them that there's something. And when I do that, what I'm doing, I'm setting up a landing strip that a 747 can land on. Come on, hit me. Come on, I can be cursed. Everything comes down the pike. I mean, as a pastor, you set yourself up sometimes for people to do that. And I, ha- I need to have Teflon life to where curses can't stick on me. And sometimes people come, they say, well, you know, so-and-so, I, I feel like a word curse is on me. I said, well, you've been cursing someone else? No. If you have, you need to repent. Because if you're not cursing someone else, it can't stick. A curse without a cause, and that cause is meaning the fact, I have sown it, I have given it, therefore it's finding a place to stick in my life. Also, Paul talks about it relating to the body of Christ, and when we receive the Lord's table, the table of faces, a communion we'd call it. And Paul says that, for many die... Many are sickly and die prematurely because they do not discern the Lord's body. If you've ever cursed another church or another pastor, someone who's naming the name of Christ, and we're saying, that church doesn't have God, that church shouldn't, it shouldn't exist, or that church, you know, they don't do this right, and, and you know, uh, their music's too loud, or our music's better, and their music's not good, and, you know, you just go all through things. What I'm saying is, I'm really speaking against the body of the anointed one. And I'm doing that And I need healing in my own body, then I need to rightly discern the body of the anointed one because he took on his body for my healing at that moment. The other interesting, strange thing about uh, blessing is I don't even have the right to curse myself. Because the Bible says, what know you not that your body is a temple of the living God? that you're bought with a price, the blood of Jesus. So we were bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. We don't even own ourselves. So if you've ever looked in the mirror and on, you know, on a morning and you thought like, you owe a hag. That's pretty bad. Everything's going south. You know, it's furniture disease where your, your chest drops into your drawers. You know, that's kind of something like that. And you start thinking about that way really what I'm doing is, I don't even have a right to do that because I've sold out to Him. I am committed to Him. I'm not talking about being legalistic or heavy-handed about it, but when we start looking at this perspective, how that God wants us to bless and curse not. That's what He says. Matthew, bless and curse not. A lot of times people ask me, what about Jesus when He cursed the fig tree? And I think one of the reasons why Jesus cursed the fig tree is because He was with His disciples and they walked everywhere and and they were teaching as they go. It's called, they would use a thing where they'd say your rabbi's dust is on you. In other words, as you walk with your rabbi, your teacher, you're just going to get the dust on you. There's a reflection of what your rabbi's teaching. So he was walking through the field and he's, you know, he's, they're hungry. The Bible states they're hungry and, and he sees a fig tree where there's no figs and he just curses it. They come back through there and, and they, they were so surprised. The disciple says, look how quickly that this tree dried up. I think Jesus wanted to let him know that you can kill stuff. You have the power of life in your tongue. You can literally destroy things with your tongue. I had a man uh, right after I was understanding more about this concept. I was going into my sanctuary one morning to pray, and and uh, I looked through the front doors there, and, and there was a, a man coming dressed in dress and overalls. And my secretary was out in the foyer, and we were, we were discussing the day. And she said, Oh, go on in prayer. I'll take care of him. I stepped inside the sanctuary, and uh, the Holy Spirit said to me at that moment, I've sent him here to talk to you. Go back out. I like, Wow, this must be important if God's interrupting our prayer time here. It was my time for refreshing. And I went out, and this guy came in. He said, Hey, I've got some land next to the church. I want to. Sell it to you. And I said, uh, I'm not going to go in debt it for any more. We had about 35 acres then. I'm not going to go for any more, any more, you know, not going to go in debt. And he said, I'll make you a good deal. I'll carry the note, note money down. And I said, no, I'm not going to do it. And the Holy Spirit said, tell him no, tell him no, tell him no. And I was going, but I really want the land. You know, I need the land because we're wanting to build this retreat center. So we're going through this whole process. And, and uh, then uh, he said, uh, you sure you don't want it? I said, no, sir, I don't. He said, you know, I'm a preacher. I've been to Bible school. And I said, oh, okay. He said, I, I'm, I'm very wealthy. I'm in the oil business and out, out here in Texas. And, and uh, I said, well, good for you. And he says, you know, I went to Bible school and learned about things. And I said, well, good for you. I don't know what he was trying to talk to me about. And I was thinking, Lord, what was, you know, I got interrupted from prime time here. And then he went on to say, but I hate that church that I pastored. I was kicked out of the church because they wouldn't let me do business and be a pastor at the same time. And uh, so I just told them all just to go to hell. And I said, What's, what Bible school did you go to? <laughs> well, one down the road here. And, and so I started talking to him about a few things, you know, and, and I said, um, he said, you know, on top of that, my daughter, all she, all she cares about is my money. And I never talked to her except for she's wanting money. So I just told her, I'm through with you. And I haven't talked to her in several months. She's moved away, and, and I just thought, good riddance. She, that's what he said, I'm just good and riddance to her. And I thought, well, you've had a pretty rough time, haven't you? And then he said, on top of that, my wife had an affair. And uh, <laughs> I thought, well, I can see. <laughs> and uh, it says, I, I think about every morning I wake up about putting my hands around this guy's neck and choking him. And I've thought about it and I'm willing to go to the prison the rest of my life just to be able to kill him. And I'm thought, man, this conversation's getting deeper by the minute. And so I said, I don't know who the guy is or anything about it, but you know, my wife won't tell me. So then he says, on top of that, I brought a young man in as a partner in my business and I showed him everything and I made him a, a complete 50-50 partner and said, found out the other day that he was stealing from the company and he's trying to get business on the side off of me and take my customers away and all of that. So how ungrateful, that's betrayal. Finally, I'd heard enough. I was getting, I was getting grieved myself. And I said, listen, sir, you are so full of cursing. And he says, I don't cuss. I said, I didn't say cussing. I said, cursing. It's a difference. And I said, you have just been cursing and profoundly declaring death over everybody. And therefore, it's attractive to you. Like spirits, you're attracting them. He says, I never heard this in Bible school. And I said, well, I'm sure you haven't. But I'm telling you, I took him through a few scriptures. And and so I could tell he was just agitated and, and finally uh so I just said here's some here's some cds go listen to them and I went on my way the next day he called me and he said preacher he said you know that there thing you talked to me about I said who is this (laughs) he told me oh yeah yeah he said I popped in one of the cds on the way out to the well out the well uh oil well there and I listened to that and I thought you know what I'm just gonna give that thing a try he said I started blessing my daughter and I started speaking over her you know and She's a daughter of promise, and she's a gift of God, and, and what I really wanted to see her become. 24 hours later, so it's now 48 hours, he called me and said, again, and said, Weird thing happened. My daughter had a dream that night that I blessed her. And in this dream, she was a, from Baptist background, and they were not used to people raising their hands except to go to the bathroom, I think. And uh, ra- raising her hands. And said, in this dream, I was standing in front of a, con- a group of people and I was raising my hands. I was doing the singing, she called it. And while she was doing the singing, she hears her, uh, the Lord say to her, go home and repent to your father. She says, so daddy, here I am. I'm sorry. I've never asked you for anything. He said, wow, this thing may work. So he went in he started, so he started blessing his partner, this young man, started speaking over him about, you know, as a son of the house and started speaking life over him and what he believed that he could become and over his family and all that. And he said the next afternoon, 24 hours later again, he comes in and he says to him, says, Ray, I need to talk to you. Uh, And I've done all these things. And He named all these things. And he said, I am so sorry. I've been stabbing you in the back. And he just repented to him right then. Someone owed him $3 million for some work, and he'd been going around town telling everybody how lousy this guy and what a cheat and a crook he was. And he said, you know, I might try that. I think for two years he'd been trying to collect this money. So he started blessing this other business and saying that they're not against me, you know, that they're a resource that God wants to use and so bless the life. started just blessing him, speaking over them. Those things are not as though they are. And he said before the week was out, now about five days had gone through, he got a call from the guy at this other well company and said, Ray, I've got a check for you. You need to come by and get it. He said, my cursing had held up $2 million for two years. So he said, I came to the point, and he's called me another time. I mean, he was on the phone all the time. And he said, I've got it. I've seen so much things restored in my life, but I have one thing that I can't break through. What's that? This guy that had the affair. He said, I still want to kill him. So I said, Ray, if you were Jesus and you were on the cross and you, and you were at the foot of the, if you were Jesus and you were at the foot of cross, and what would you want Jesus to say to you? Knowing all the things that you had probably done in your life yourself, manipulation and hurting people, he was brass and you know, arrogant and all those things. He said, I'd want him to say just what he did. I forgive you then don't you have Jesus living inside of you? The Jesus inside of you is that different than the Jesus that was on the cross? He broke and he began to weep. weep. And he went, I said, I want you to go and pray and ask the Lord to give you a freedom with this. A couple of days later, he called me and he said, you won't believe what happened. He said, I started seeing this man, I don't know who he is, started seeing him through the eyes of God. And I thought what a wretched person and sad person he is that he would go do this to another man's family and how lonely and how empty he must be to do that. And realize that he had been so angry with his wife and all this thing that set her up for that affair. That she was uncovered. She was empty herself. and So all of these things start showing with him. So he repented and he released this man and he released him, you know, from the indebtedness and soul debt and all the things he went through. And he said, all of a sudden the Lord spoke to me and says, write a check and give it to that, tell your wife to give it to that man. I go, what? He said, God so loved that he gave. One of the signs of repentance is that you don't withhold from people. He says, I'm not planning on going to having dinner with him because she won't tell me who he is, and I don't want to even know now. And I said, I think you've had revelation, brother. And he sent this guy a check. Can you imagine this guy getting this check in the mail for having an affair? I'm sure it was a note attached to it and says, God, I release you of this, and so does God. His whole life has been transformed. The end of the story is the fact that I was out of town, and, and he called me up late one night, another time zone, and he said, i got to talk to you. i got to talk to you now. And I thought, oh, Lord, something fell apart. And he said, i got to tell you, I've, I've been wrestling with God all night long. I says, give up, Ray. You never win a wrestling match with God. <laughs> so it's not WWW, whatever that is, you know. One flick for his finger, and you'll be orbiting the earth the rest of your life. And he said, no, I, I mean, that God told me and said, the land that I came to talk to you about, he said, the reason I allowed you to buy that land was for the church. And I sold off a part of it, and I got to figuring out what the partial part of the land that I sold end up paying for the entire land. And now, the actually, the land is free, and I don't know anything on it. It's paid for. I broke even on it. And you've got to get this land out of my hands. God told me I had to do it within 24 hours. I've already got their lawyers and all the papers drawn up, and end up getting, you know, like 19-some acres or something like that. And i just free like that. I've seen the power of blessing work in so much dynamics. I was in the in, uh, Fort Worth area, and a pastor was in such, he was gone through several churches. I mean, he went from church to church church. He's a friend of ours. I was sharing on this, and he was just weeping. He's kind of a hard, tough guy, and he started weeping in the middle of this, and he said, uh, I, I, afterwards he said, I'll have to have dinner with you later. I just, I just got to go. And he went in and he told his elder, he says, I've been cursing you. I have a pet name for every one of you, and it's not God. And I'm asking you to forgive me. And he repented. There was a lady who, uh, that had lived next door to him, was attending his church, and was ty- uh, calling child protective services on him all the time. She was in the church. And he, she just says, I don't like you. And he said, well, just leave the church. And she said, no, it's my church. You leave. And she did this all the time and asking his children, does your dad ever hit you or anything? All this kind of stuff going on. He said, you know, if this works, maybe I'll just bless her. And she was in Alaska the morning that I was there. And he started speaking over her that you're a gift of God to our church. And started speaking over her those kind of things. You have the heart of God. You have the mind of Christ. And just on and on and on. He said, I'm here to tell you. The next day, it was Monday, he, did her, he blessed her on Sunday afternoon after the service. Monday morning, he calls me and he says, I'm sending you an email. Be sure and be on the lookout for it. You'll just blow you away. And in the email, he sent me her, and she says, uh, I was in Alaska setting, and all of a sudden, the Lord just changed my heart towards you. And she wrote this and said, Actually, you're a good preacher, you've been good for my kids. And I don't know why I haven't liked you, but my heart has changed now. And all I can do now is pray that God's favor be on your life. And I'm sorry that I've been a thorn in your side the whole time. I never will bother you again. He said, if I had known that, I wouldn't have cursed her all the time. (laughs) It's amazing the things that we begin to see transformed and happened in our life in, in such a dramatic way. And so once we enter into a place to where we realize that the power of life and death is really in the tongue and I can actually choose that moment. That sometimes we we have to learn to practice it and begin to, what do I really want in my marriage? Do you realize the word husband doesn't mean the fact is that you have the capability of raising children? The word husband in the original means a grower, like a husbandman. It means that husbands, we are called to grow our wives fully in the expression of the Lord. To be like him and to show him. But the night before I was to marry and die and I was thanking God. I said, wow, I'm marrying way over my head. And just thanking the Lord for her and, and blessing her and honoring her. And, and, me, and, you know, she was Miss Texas at one time. I know she didn't like me to say that. But I thought, God, that you gave me Miss Texas. What is it you want from my life now? I feel like I'm obligated. And so he said this to me. And he said, I want you to understand something. She belonged to me before... I give her to you. I am her father. I am this day on. I am now your (laughs) father-in-law. Boy, you talk about the fear of God becoming, you know, on you like that. And so uh, every once in a while, Diane could say, (laughs) she has, and said, be careful because I'm going to talk to Daddy about this. (laughs) So there's something about that really becomes transforming in, in a way that has a breakthrough. Amen. What's your name, sir? Yes, sir. Yeah. my name's Paul. Paul, would you stand up, please? Sure. I, I just asked for your name for the, for the CD, not just to be nosy. I hear the Lord is saying over you that I have entrusted you with much more than what you have thought that you've ever been entrusted. I am making you a steward, especially in the area of family. And I'm going to set you up and honor you before other families in such a way that people will come into your home just as, as a sanctuary of peace. You'll find people want to come over your house just simply because the peace of God rules there. Your house becomes a sanctuary of peace because blessed are the peacemakers, they will see God. And you've seen something of the Father's heart that he's honoring and he's pleased with. And he's saying, because there's a ceiling right now, even even financially and job-wise, there's a ceiling. And those like, I can't go any farther. And the Lord is going to remove the ceiling that you're going to realize that the Bible says promotion doesn't come from the east and the west, but the promotion comes to the Lord. And you're going to see God release that to show you that I am in your house. And in your house means the fact is you're going to find people wanting just to come over and saying, I'm just in a turmoil. Could I just sit here for a little bit? Realize that you have created a sanctuary for the presence of God. And the Lord is calling you to a gathering anointing. It's not there yet, but you are going to gather families that are disconnected, disjointed, and it seems out of place. Angry men that do, they don't know where their place is, and the Lord's going to allow you to be able to bring healing to them. You're going to find they're going to come up to you just out of the blue and, and start calling their wives and all this names, and there's something in your heart that rises up, and you're going to be able to tell them the hurt that you have is not because of your wife. You have an empty place for Jesus and you're going to see people brought into the kingdom of God not because of your theology background or not because of all the how much you know of the scripture but because of you are a carrier and a courier of the glory of God the presence of God is upon you there are traditions that you've had to break through to even get here there's things that you've had to override that you didn't repeat in previous generations because you broke through because you've seen what God can do and the Lord is bringing you into fresh revelation and this is a day and season where you're going to have your own generations that rise up and call you blessed. Lord, I just pray over Paul right now that there would be a release of the grace and anointing upon his life that wherever he goes, that your glory would just leach through him and just reach out to people and recognize there's something about him that is different, that's tangible. I release upon him a fresh wind of the anointing of the Holy Spirit and that he will no longer be overlooked by those who earn authority. Those who have the place on the job would not just take him for granted, but he's going to uncover you in a good way, to where your uncovering is going to be like, where have you been hiding? Because you're going to have solutions to solve problems. Amen. Hallelujah.